Making the right financial decisions takes time, skill, and effort. The Savvy Brokers Club podcast delivers strategies from today's thought leaders that help you build and maintain your financial freedom. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Savvy Brokers Club podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ward Powell, wealth strategist and principal at the Ward Powell Group. Ward, thank you for being here, brother. Oh, thank you for having me, Tony. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. And just what a positive spirit you are. Just every time I've seen you, just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> bringing the vibes. And I, I got to say, and the fashion. Oh, thank you so much, man. <laughs> thank you so much. You're so kind. I, I I think about working on myself all the time. People used to tease me, say, you're too disciplined. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought it was something that you had to do. And certain yeah. things that you do, you want to really do well at, you got to practice, right? And where did that come from for you? Who instilled that in you? Where did you pick that up? I guess my family, my my grandfather, my mom, my dad were all hard workers. All were entrepreneurs in their own right. Granddad had his own bus company. No way. In the South, in the deep South. Because I'm originally from Mississippi. I like to say Mississippi, and I like to think of myself <laughs> as a country boy. Okay. Don't know nothing about country. <laughs> Man. How old were you when you moved to Chicago? I was a baby. Okay. I was a baby, but I, I love the thought that I was from one of the blues meccas of the world. Absolutely, so absolutely. I was like, oh my God, this is, yeah, muddy waters, my goodness. And wh- uh, where'd your uh, family move to when they moved up here? Chicago, here on the south side. South side? Yeah. We, uh, yeah, I was a little bitty baby. So my, my godmother stole me and took me <laughs> oh, to no Chicago. Way. Yeah. Wow. Because her and my mom were really tight. And mm. so, yeah, she uh, stole me, and then mom come up, came up and got me, and then took me back, and then no very way. shortly after that, she came back. Because you were born on the uh, the Delta of Clarksdale. That's right. right. Wow, Clarksdale, Clarksdale, that's, Mississippi, yeah. Mississippi. That's a different <laughs> different area than Chicago, but yeah, we have a deep connection here in Chicago to Mississippi from those people that moved up during that time, right? Yeah, yeah the, the the chicken they call it the chicken something express. Yeah. <laughs> Something chicken. <laughs> and what was life like for you growing up? It sounds like you, know, you had some some good values instilled in you to where it's benefited you to this day. I, I, I grew up in two households, I like okay. to think, because there's seven of us. Oh, wow. And I'm right in the middle. But like I said, my godmother spent some time with me, a lot of time. She always wanted me over to her place. And <clears throat> we went on trips, whether it was road or, or flu, and that, she just exposed me to so much. And she was a former teacher, <clears throat> Chicago Public Schools. Okay. And then ultimately, when I first finished college, I I was a teacher for a few years. And then, of course, when I started my family, I had to leave the teaching arena and do something that's going to pay for that big family that I had created. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't want to go into principalship. Uh, it just wasn't something I wanted to do. So I wind up working with a um, Valic of AIG Financial Advisors. And that was back in 99, right? Yeah. Mm. And I did that work for, I don't know, seven years. Okay. And then 06, I left. Okay. And started the Ward Power Group. And, how, and what, what inspired you to go into to finance to begin with? What, what is that drew you to the, to the field? In college, while in college, I was, I was actually working for a group of financial advisors setting phone calls up, setting uh, appointments up on mm-hmm. the phone for them. And I, I 
wind up becoming friends with a few of them. So when I left and went to teaching, when I graduated, I went, I taught for a little while. And then I says, I got to make a change. And I talked to one of my old buddies. His name is Jeremiah. And he told me, he says, Ward, you're going to go over to, it was another company that I was considering at the time. I think it was American Express. They had some financial advisor program. And he said, hey, man, why don't you just come work with us? And I did. Because he gave me all of the reasons why, the destination, right? Yeah, we were yeah, talking about yeah, really. Yeah. He described the destination. <laughs> and I said, oh, that sounds real good. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to work with AIG, and I worked for them, well, like I said, for seven years. And that was cool. It wasn't, I just thought working with, with as a financial advisor would give me some of the work that I needed to even work on myself. There was, and there still is so many things that you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. Even when you're in the field, you're practicing. As a doctor, you practice doctor, being a doctor. You, in, in, in law, you practice being a lawyer. In right. financial advising, you practice being a financial advisor. So there are so much uh, information out there. And when I was a securities broker, where a lot of the work that I was doing had to do with stocks and bonds, I didn't know anything about anything else but that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you lean towards what you know, and there's still a lot there that you don't know. It's always changing, too. Right? A- exactly. And so when I left AIG and started working with the Ward Power Group, I after a few years, decided, oh, you know what? I need to do a little bit more than saying, okay, you're subject to get this. This is what it did over the past. You're subject to get that, but, you know, you can't have some problems. <clears throat> but when you have problems, people are not prepared for that. Yeah, They're probably, when the market goes down, they're probably considering retiring at that particular year and if they're if the market's down and their accounts go down 50%, it's not un- unusual for your accounts to go down that far or even more. It kind of like, okay, now I need to stop. I need to stop here and stay, stay pat with this job for another couple, five years or so. Yeah. Two, two, two to five years. I'm like, people are not expecting to do that. So I had to change the way I thought about the market and alternative investments. And so alternative investments is where I went. And then when you think about alternative investments, one of those things that I mentioned was that you really show people where they're losing money first, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. What is the biggest thing that people aren't aware of when it comes to their finances? Because being someone who is disciplined, I think when you're disciplined in in all areas of your life, it reflects also in your finances, right? Yeah. And, And you have to really be aware of those things. But when you're not, it could seem like you're just like a chicken with your head cut off. So true. You, I, I like quoting Warren Buffett, the Warren Buffetts of the world. Like, <laughs> he says that there are like four rules to investing. First rule is you don't lose what you invest. And this is well before I decided to make this change mm-hmm. that I did going from securities securities to what I do now. But you don't lose what you invest. 
And you should get at least three to one, at least three to one return on your money. And or look to get three to three to one return. <clears throat> and then the second rule is don't forget the first rule. <laughs> and then the third, diversification, and then taxes. And then diversification can fall within within real estate in and of itself. You know, I mean, all the different types of real estate that you can buy. But will you tie everything up in real estate? I don't think so. Some people want to get into stocks. Some people want to get into bonds. Some people want to get into alternative investments. And those things are there for them for them to get to. The, the question is, how is the asset allocation going to look? across those different areas of investing. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No, I definitely did. Okay. To understand those principles, which I mm-hmm. think is, if you're not going in with the intention of what you should be looking for, of what, how you should be investing your money, then people make these really bad choices, right? Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. go buy baseball cards and think you're making an investment in something when you don't have those principles in mind, right? Yes. And, and I guess from the other perspective, too, the mindset shift that one has to have. I'm sure you're working with a lot of successful individuals mm-hmm. that start off and they understand the value of hiring someone like yourself. Mm-hmm. But for those that are listening that maybe want to get to that place, and they, whether that be because they've started a business and, and now they need to be smarter about their money, what, do you, what advice would you give around the, the, the topic of mindset and the one that needs to have when it comes to being successful with your money? First of all, I would say read. (laughs) Read, and you're never too young to lose money. I used to hear that thrown around all the time. You lost money in the market. Oh, you're young. You'll get it back. No, you never get it back. That's When you lose money, it's gone. It's not coming back, right? I don't know why people say that, but they say it. I know why people say it, but that's another conversation. But at the same time, it's like, When you're investing, for example, in stock, or let's use mutual funds. If you're dealing with mutual funds, are you paying attention to how many times that particular fund is traded? Because Mm -hmm. there is a consequence to that, right? Mm -hmm. Every time that fund is bought and sold, every time that, that fund manager buy and sell within that fund, there's a charge to that. First of all, that's a separate charge of itself to buy and sell. Then there's taxes to that cost of buying and selling. It's at ordinary income within, if it's done within a year, and most buy and sales are done within a year, right? Then you have, you have to pay what they call the expense ratio, mm. right? You have the what they call tax drag, that's an expense. And then the final one is, I gotta have my magazines and coffee that the clients pay for. So if you're paying all of these different expenses, all of, you're taking all of the risks and you're getting what I've heard on Red, it's a piece that, that was published that talked, it spoke about what you really get in the end is about a third of what you invest if you're not killed. So that, that right there, that's enough of a reason why people 
should want to see how much money they're losing before they do anything else. And what I've found is, on average, if a person's making, I don't know, anywhere between 100, and fam- this is household income, anywhere from 100 to, let's say, $200,000 on an annual basis, they're going to, we're going to find anywhere between one to four million dollars that they will lose over a lifetime. Wow. Yeah, if they don't close those holes. Wow. And then if a person's making anywhere above that, let's say 250 and to maybe 500, that's easily 700,000, five, five million to seven, seven million or more, depending on course on how much they're investing. So it, it could be a, an astronomical number. And all we ask as a company is if we find the money, allow us to invest, manage it for you. That's how we get paid. And we don't ask for for the money that you already have in, in, in invested. We were looking for money that you're losing. Not only are you losing the dollar, you're also losing the interest that goes with that dollar. So compounded annually over time, it becomes this crazy, ridiculous number, as I expressed it. Yeah, no. Wow. And, and what's the mis- biggest misconception that people have when working with someone like yourself? Um. I would say that we probably have it as a unit with the Madoffs of the world. We probably haven't made a, a good impression on people with respect to putting their money and doing what's in their best interest with their money. And um, I don't say I'm having that experience for the most part. I think when I was when I first started though I had to say this though when I first started I had this baby face you know and it's like what you going to tell me you're a baby <laughs> you know I used to get that a lot wow like really I mean it was hard but then I got a couple of tr- strands of gray now <laughs> so, I don't know whether that's the people telling me that or or the market itself but yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so now it ages you. So now like, I'll show you. I'll get you. Right, I, I, now I'm to a point where I'm like, hey, it's great. Everything's good now. I don't get that those kind of right. remarks anymore. Of course, I, I have a different approach. My approach is totally different. I, again, we are not trying to sell you on coming aboard with us. We're trying to sell you on the monies that you're losing. Right, and that's that. That should be important. And when it comes to that, I think a lot of professions face that. And obviously when there's greed, there's selfishness in the world, the mistrust becomes right. rampant. And it doesn't yeah. matter. It could be the food industry. It yes. could be real estate. Car <laughs> salesmen obviously mm-hmm. had that reputation for a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. But how have you built that trust? And for younger, even even seasoned brokers out there, but how do you, what advice do you give to building trust and what's worked for you? Being yourself. Yeah. Being as as transparent as you possibly can. Like that's it, transparency. People want to know who you are, where you're from, what are you doing, how have you done for others? And I over the years I have clients that's been for me been with me since I started. When I left uh, AIG, they didn't want to stay with AIG because I left. Mm. So when my non-compete was up, they came over. Mm. I just, I guess what people want is 
fundamentally sound advice. Fundamental, because I am very, like, just, I am a slow mover when it comes to making decisions, aggressive decisions, unless it's for me, because I'm, I'm aggressive, right, in a lot of ways. But tons of that foundation is built on real slow movement, nothing real fast. We're going to grow this over time, and we're going to do well. But if we try to make money overnight, it's going to be a problem. Absolutely. There's going to be a problem. And that's a huge culture thing, too, of this fast money, though. People yeah. want it fast. They want it, want it, want yeah. it overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you had to really coach people through that? Or is that still part of, <laughs> as much that's, as it is that you're pushing that, you're still having to combat that, right? Yeah, all the time. I want to buy this stock. I want to buy this piece of art. And Okay, you can do that. Those are wonderful things, but it's relative to me jumping off of a flight of stairs that has five steps on it or me jumping off of the second floor. Which risk do you want without getting hurt? Obviously, the flight of steps, we want to jump that. We can do okay with that. But when we jump from the second floor, man, that's more risk. That's the same way you have to look at your investments. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great, great advice. I love yeah, that. Man, I, I'll date myself. I'll, I'll say that when, when I was a little boy and we had, we had such a big snow one year, I was jumping off the second floor. We were all just like having fun jumping into snow, jumping into the snow. That's how much snow that was in Chicago in '67. Wow! Yeah. Well, you look, you look great. Yeah, you did age yourself. Cause I would never have guessed that. Wow, Ward, yeah. you you've done something right. Maybe it's that vegan diet. Oh yeah, that's another reason why people would say to me is like, Ward, you, you, you're vegan. I fast for 40 days and 40 nights. What? Yes. You do 40? I did 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Yeah, on water and herbs. Wow. So people would, man, you got to stop. My daughter was like, Daddy, please. She was falling on the floor. I was so, like, I was, like, shriveled up, man. How, how long ago was that you did that? In 2017. Oh, so not too long ago. No, nah, it wasn't. And what was the... The, the reason for that? Oh, man, I just wanted to just totally detox. Wow. Yeah, it was like I just wanted to do something different. Good for you. And I had that in my head. But I think one of the two of the things that really got me there was as a little kid, I was fasting back then, 14, 13 years old, 12 years old, somewhere around there. I was fasting, right? Yeah. Maybe for a day or two maybe. Okay. And I didn't know what I was doing. But as I got older, I would do it every now and then. So that was one thing that kind of got me set for that. I don't know if you're familiar with Vipassana. Yep. Okay. I've done that about six or seven times. Wow. And that got me there. That got me through the 40 days and 40 nights. It was that, those types of things that were going on in my head that I had already done. I used to run long. Never, I never did marathons. I would do 10 miles. That was it. I wasn't doing no, you know, I wasn't doing no 22 miles for nobody. Yeah. Because of the concrete was yeah. is brutal. It's, it's, yeah. it's just you used to brutal. run a lot in the Marines and yeah. beat up your shins. And yeah, your shin man. And yeah. Even when you're running on grass, and I will always try to do that. But I said, nah, I do five, I do 10, that's it. I'm not doing anything else. Oh. But just through those experiences that I used to get through. 40 days and 40 nights. And wow. then I still do intermittent fasting and I do 
Man, I might do a 10-day or 15-day or 20-day, depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah, you, know? you look great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I did I did 30-day fast, but only but on, on juice. Yeah. Not water, but juice. Yeah. Uh, water and juice. And then yeah. the longest I've done just water is 10 days. So that's... Uh, you know that's how intense. it is. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's not... People think, oh, when you hear those numbers, it sounds hard. But really, it's the first five days. Right? You get past get those past first those. Good. You're, you're good. You're not even hungry anymore. No, no. no. You have more energy. Right. You sleep better. Clean. And I would have done more had I not. I w- had to go out of town, mm. so I wasn't sure, and I, and I wasn't sure what I was going to get when I got to where I was going. So I was like, maybe you should just break the fast now. Wow. Get yourself ready to go on this trip. It's a business trip, so I... That's amazing. And I think it just says a lot about you as a person in general, just the the discipline, right, that Mm -hmm. that it requires to do that. Because Mm -hmm. in a culture that tells you the opposite, obviously you're living Mm -hmm. testament to the fact that we don't don't need to eat every day. No. (laughs) There's this big fallacy around that. No, yeah. It is good to fast. Yeah. For me, I try to do it once a week. And not that I'm successful at it, because I haven't been doing it lately, but where you do once a week a fast and then once a month you do a three-day fast mm. and then once a year you do like a, a 10 to two-week fast that's awesome but that's hey that's the way that you extend your life that's the way you live healthier that's the way you reverse aging and disease and everything else and but they're not going to tell you that because there's no money in it that's right <laughs> that's right that's right i take cold showers too this right, morning yeah. <laughs> man you're doing it yeah, all yeah, i gotta put it i mean so it's so much to great health and and it's a lifestyle that you grow into. You don't have to rip everything, rip through everything there is to know about this. You grow into it, just like investing. It's the same thing. You grow into it. You don't like, oh, I need to know this. I need to know that. Just have somebody that you can trust, someone that's going to explain something to you or what you don't understand to you, and. You do well. We we hear that word investment and automatically assume money, right? But investment is anything that that you're you're trading for a, a better outcome, right? Yes. You invest in something. Exactly. Your time. Exactly. Money, right. Your sacrifice. Yes. Whatever. Yes. It is. The benefit. The benefit. The right? benefit. Yeah. It's the benefit. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. No, I, and see, this I'm so glad we had this conversation. It's yeah. been long overdue. Yeah. So tell me a little about what's going what's going through your mind for 2024. What is the vision? What are you hoping for and working towards that we can support you in? This is going to twist things a bit, but <laughs> I want to say is that people park money. You're going to park your money. I don't care how much money you have. You have to park it somewhere. Yeah. So I am looking into other areas to park money for clients and for myself as well. So I'm studying watches and I'm studying cars, exotic cars and luxury watches as a part of my of the process of parking showing people how they can where they can park money because there's certain steps that you can take to keep that money there and not even whatever you pay for it you don't lose it right you grow the money grows so we buy cars we buy watches and we lose that money yep so my whole idea about this concept or these concepts is to show people how to purchase these, these things that they need or want, I should say, it's a want, and not lose the money that they spend on. There's yeah. so many smart ways to go about it. Yeah. Ward, how can people find you uh, online, social media? What's the best way to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, 
Ward at the wardpowergroup.com is my email address. The Ward Power Group would be my URL, my website, thewardpowergroup.com. 312-629-9100 is my phone number. If you need to talk to me, you want to have a conversation, try those areas of contacting me and we'll be, ha- be happy to do whatever we can to help. No, I, I highly recommend it, even just to have a conversation. Very trustworthy guy. Pleasure to have you on the podcast and more so a part of this community award. Thank you for, for everything and your friendship as well. This is an awesome opportunity, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.